The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. In a bit of a time crunch today, going to be a bit of a shorter episode. Uh, trying to get down downstairs to the, the party that's down there too. Uh, people above us in the building hosting a little bit of a shindig. Looking forward to that. Going to be two kegs. Two kegs? I didn't even two know. Two kegs. Saw, I it was just like food. And saw a couple barrels on the way back from lunch, so uh, that's that's all on the house. So I figure I might as well, yeah, uh, wet my whistle before. Let's power I, through this and yeah, just start yeah. tipping them. Back. <laughs> uh, but we'll touch on uh, your, your latest Farm Futures piece, part two of your September call-ups preview. Uh, you know, just a couple days away, September call-ups. It's going to be a hectic day in the office for sure. But one guy we can eliminate from the the list of candidates, Aaron Judge, Yankees coming out today and saying formally that uh, he will not be on the team's expanded September roster. Are you uh, surprised at all? Yeah, I I was 
expecting him to come up mostly just because he is a significant defensive upgrade for what they have in right field right now. And I mean, a contending team like the Yankees, you would expect them to kind of, you know, push all in on, on, you know, all the talent in their system, but it, it sort of makes sense in, if they, uh, you know, another guy I said they might call up is Gary Sanchez. Uh, he's dealing with what they they're hoping is a minor hamstring thing right now, but, uh, Sanchez could kind of offer that power bat off the bench that judge would have served as anyways. And Sanchez might actually have more in-game power right now than, than hmm. judge does. I mean, you look at judges numbers at AAA hasn't been that great for him. Um, you know, not hitting for a ton of power, struggling to, to kind of make contact. So from a pure skill standpoint, I don't think he's ready to be playing every day at the big leagues yet. He will be one of the guys next year though, that we're talking about, you know, in May, and maybe even into June, just kind of like waiting on uh, when he's going to make his big league debut. Yeah, that that's reasonable. I did think they'd give him the call because, like with Greg Bird, just having that other option to dispel some of these veterans mm-hmm. in the outfield on occasional days, not to play every day, but uh, spot starts here and there. I thought he'd you know provide some value, but uh, I, I kind of see where the Yankees are coming I, from. One thing I will say, like if you were looking at Judge as like a guy to add in a deeper league for some nice – a nice source of power. The one guy I would actually go after now is AJ Reed with the Astros, who I think actually fills a bigger need for them than huh. Judge would have because of the kind of lack of production they're getting at first base right now. Uh, Jonathan Singleton, obviously a guy who you'd probably expect to see uh, added to that roster in September, but AJ Reed to me has just dominated every single step uh, this year in the minor leagues. And would make a ton of sense, I think, as someone who, you know, maybe he struggles, but maybe he just is does like a Miguel Sano and just gets That'd hot awesome and stays hot and like carries that team uh, kind of deep right now. Because right now it's just kind of uh, the dregs that they're trotting out there at first mm-hmm. base. You know, you got Luis Valbuena, uh, Chris Carter, both of those guys, I believe, batting at or below 200 on the season. So, um, you know, AJ Reed to me, I don't, I don't even see him being. Even the bad version of A.J. Reed, say he struggles right away, uh, I don't see that being any worse than what they're getting from the position right now. Seems like a, a no-brainer that he will get the call, I, do, mm-hmm. I think, because uh, not only does he feel that need, but this team has been aggressive with promoting right. their prospects all season. They're, they're really making a legitimate push uh, f- for that, that uh, crown there in, in the West. And I think uh, you know they, they've had a kind of a rough patch, too, and maybe adding him would provide another spark, another wave of momentum heading into the final month. And uh, not on this list, but I did want to just say, uh, throw this out there as a bit of prospect news. Good news uh, for Reds fans like myself mm-hmm. and just prospect fans. Robert Stevenson going to return tonight, activated from the DL at AAA Louisville. Uh, the, there were reports that it was a forearm strain, but I, I saw in the latest Cincinnati Inquirer report that it was still labeled just forearm cramps. Really good to see. And it sounds like the Reds have, have plans to insert him into the major league rotation. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that, you know, they they were quoting Brian Price in that article and he was kind of saying, you know, hemming and hawing and just being like, well, you know, maybe maybe we'll call him up, you know. I mean, I think to me that's kind of a yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if they weren't going to call him up, I think they'd kind of erase that as an idea the, the way the Yankees sort of did with Judge. Uh, Stevenson will need to be on the 40-man after the season, so – that's not really a concern. The fact that he's not on there right That's now. A good point. Uh, and 
you know, I think that's exciting. I mean, tonight he's pitching against Tyler Glass now uh, in a triple A showdown. If you're sitting around the, uh, the couch or, you know, you have your computer open and you have MILB TV, that's probably one of the games of the year to watch because both of these guys uh, should be pitching in the big leagues come September. Yeah. If you don't have MILB, sign up <laughs> get for it. the final <laughs> week of the season just to good see time that. To, good time to good get time. it. I mean, you can always go back. Watch other um, other good games, but uh, speaking of glass now, though, I mean that's that's the top pitcher to add right now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, among all pitchers in baseball, like even you know big leaguers, non-big leaguers, if I'm going out there to to look for a, a arm to scoop up for the stretch run, it's going to be glass now, just because of his you know his inning situation right now, mm-hmm. 96 and and two thirds compared to 124 and a third last season. I mean they're definitely. This is, there's a Planning. reason behind this. Yeah. I mean, that he can go, he could join the rotation uh, next week and stay in it through a deep uh, postseason push, hmm. push if need be. I think, and that's that's kind of what I think you're looking at when you look at that rotation. Uh, I mean, I think Glass now is a better option than Charlie Morton, than uh, Jay Happ, than uh, Jeff Locke. I mean, there's there's three guys in that rotation right now who I think he's an upgrade over. So. I think they're actually going to just keep him in there uh, throughout the postseason, uh, especially, you know, wow. I mean, depending on what's what's going on with, with A.J. Burnett. So you definitely do think it is in the rotation, because I know that's kind of been a, a talking point of, of late, and I was kind of hoping Jay Happ or Jeff Locke would get blown up this week in Miami. Uh, both turned in pretty good outings, but uh, I agree, upgrade over all three of those names you mentioned, and, and maybe they even go the six-man until Burnett's back. Yeah, I mean, he, I just don't see any way that he's not – I mean, using him out of the bullpen, I mean, that's that's just kind of a waste of a resource, in my opinion, given where he's at innings-wise. Yeah. Like, if he was up in, like, the 120s or 130s or something like that, I could see the case for, for having him go to the bullpen. But, I mean, he's got, you know, plenty of innings left on that arm this year. So I just I don't see any reason to not use uh, use him in the rotation, especially given how, how good he's been. Yeah, Sam, I, I scooped him back up in, in one of my leagues. And uh, the league that I'm, I'm holding Stevenson in, very glad to see him back and potentially making a push at at that September uh, rotation because he, he really appeared in line before that, that injury. So I think, you know, if this is, and it clearly is, if they're activating the start tonight, not nearly as serious as was first let on. Uh, but we'll move on here. Dalton Pompey you have on this list. Uh, disappointed to start the year for sure, but do you see him coming up and maybe chipping in for owners in stolen bases, uh, maybe some runs scored here and there? Is he just kind of a guy uh, that you focus more on for daily purposes? Uh, just not a guy who I, I really see being useful in anything other than DFS this mm-hmm. year. Uh, long-term, I think that there is sort of a Denard span type of upside. If, if everything comes together where you're going to get a uh, nice batting average, stolen bases runs, if he's at the top of the order, of course, the, the downside there is that he's not at the top of the order and he ends up batting eighth or ninth, in which case you're just kind of hoping for, sort of uh, Rajai Davis type of numbers. Um, either way, though, this is not the year that he's going to be too useful in fantasy. I mean, it's going to be 2016 and beyond that, that you want to look out for Pompey. Really liked what I saw from him in the fall league last year, but I really do think his progression was rushed to the minors. I mean, he made the jump from, what, like low A to the majors mm-hmm. last season and an everyday job to start the year. I just think he was, uh, that was kind of thrust upon him a bit prematurely, but We'll move on here. Miguel Almonte, the Royals, 
Numbers this season, not particularly good between AA and AAA. I mean, he is only 22 years old, though. Uh, got pretty good stuff. Do you, do you see him you know, contributing out of the bullpen and, and being a help, or is there just uh, not really much room for him in that bullpen? I don't really see any point in rostering Almonte in, in fantasy leagues uh, just because – Maybe he maybe he's added to that bullpen in sort of a Brandon Finnegan role, but uh, the the main reason I was kind of watching him was in case he had been the guy over Chris Medlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mention him here just because obviously people are going to be looking at what are the Royals going to do in terms of uh, September call-ups. I don't really see any notable help coming to the big league roster, especially when you just kind of look at the makeup of this team and how they're built. Uh, they don't have any kind of areas of – where you can see Ned Yost making a change on the hitting side, and they don't really have a ton of prospects that could really uh, help him facilitate such a change. So uh, Almonte probably going to be used in that bullpen, but in probably mid to low leverage spots. So I don't really think there's much to see here. Yeah, I mean, still very young. I think you know he could probably contribute and give them useful innings, but I don't know if uh, there's any reason to like him. Uh, for fantasy purposes this year. We'll jump now down all the way to the Cubs. I mean, a lot of names on this list. Definitely check out. recommend checking out the uh, the full list for yourself. If you want a free trial, go to roadwire.com slash pod for free 10 days on us. But Javier Baez, I mean, guy that really you know battled through a tough season, personal tragedy in his life. I mean, uh, didn't make the major league roster out of spring training, but really has battled and put up great numbers and, Really nice to see his improvement with uh, the the strike zone, plate discipline, uh, strikeout rate right around twenty five percent, which is an improvement. And certainly, you can stomach that with a power hitter like Baez. Also, seeing time at third base recently with Triple A Iowa. You reading into that at all, James? Uh, I think it's just kind of to give the Cubs flexibility with Baez if he's hitting uh, when they call him up. I, I think. This is the the top hitter I think to own right now. That's not in the the majors ahead of guys like Corey Seager. Uh, you know I, I think that Baez to to say that he's blocked in any way is I think inaccurate. The only the only person blocking Baez is is has always been Baez. I mean mm-hmm. he's got the most talent uh, of any of those. You know most most pure upside of any of those middle infielders they have. I mean and even Addison Russell in that mix. I mean, Baez has 13 bombs, 16 steals in 63 games at AAA. Uh, like you said, he, I mean, he's cutting way down on the strikeout total. I mean, 25% for him. If he hits 20, if he strikes out at a 25% clip in the big leagues, he's going to be a, an all-star for, yeah. you know, a decade. I mean, that's, I mean, it was 40% last year, right. but I think this, what he's shown this year, uh, lends significant I mean, hope to him being able to carry that success. Right. Over. And we've even seen, you know, guys like Chris Davis and Chris Bryant have, you know, top 20, top 30 fantasy seasons this year with a, a K rate above 30%. So mm-hmm. um, I think Baez, as long as he's just kind of towing that, that 30% line, the production's going to be pretty insane. I think he's a, a plus defender at second base. Uh, I mean, he's got, you know, the actions and everything to play shortstop. They won't be playing him there. Uh, I mean, they might give him one or two starts there to, to kind of spell Russell, but I think you could see him just take full control of that second base job. And then, like you said, maybe he gets some starts at third base if they want to get uh, Tommy LaStella or, uh, or Starlin Castro a start at second. But, you know, we saw Chris Bryant starting in right field today. He's capable of playing 
I think he's played now all three outfield positions this year. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're willing to kind of move Brian out of the infield to make room for some other guys if need be. So, uh, I think, I think Baez, he could obviously fall flat on his face this time around, just like he did last year. But I also think there's the potential that he just kind of gets hot and, and maybe hits seven or eight homers in September. I would love to see that. And I know Joe Madden said yesterday that Starlin Castro could return to an everyday role at, at second base. He's not going to be an option at short, but I think, Baez clearly has an edge in terms of well talent and uh, upside at that position, but also I do think third base is very interesting because Chris Bryant could really be a, you know a Gold Glove corner outfield guy. Uh, he's got the athleticism to do that, and then if, if you're in a league that you only need a couple appearances in season to get eligibility, I mean shortstop, second base, third base eligibility for Baez uh, makes him very very appealing to go with that offense those offensive abilities but you mentioned Corey Seager kind of in passing you know like him but is there any way he fits in in a regular spot in this lineup I mean he just he needs a injury to Justin Turner or Jimmy Rollins uh no real reason I I mean with with Aaron Judge it makes plenty of sense to not call him up because he's honestly just not ready um but Seager's ready so you know, even if it's just in a, if he's just backing up on the left side of the infield, both positions, um, it's still worth kind of having him up there just because he is a, a big league ready player who's who's capable of playing two spots. I mean, I think uh, should be a no brainer for them to call him up, um, but I just I don't see a ton of fantasy upside except for in like DFS spots where he's getting a start. And Julio Urias, I mean, 19 years old, only turned 19 a few weeks ago. Uh, but do you think he's a contributor out of this bullpen over the final month? I don't know. It's just so so tough to say what they'll do with him. I, I I basically want people to be fully aware that there's almost no chance that he makes a start this year. So yeah. you could get some, you know, maybe maybe he comes in in the seventh or eighth inning for them, but not not a ton in the way of fantasy upset. Yeah, and I think you know the bullpen is you know a huge hole for the Dodgers. So uh, he could help, but at the same time, 19 years old. Uh, I mean, do you really want to, you know, max out his innings at this point in his career with such a high, high upside guy that they're really going to be a cornerstone in that franchise? So, a uh, couple of pitchers I wanted to ask you about just before we move on to our our grading out rap groups segment. Uh, people want to know about Blake Snell and Jose Barrios, and that's very understandable because both guys you know, pretty easy top 10 pitching prospects in the minor leagues. Uh, but both clubs, I think, realistically are sort of, yeah, I don't know, may, maybe you could see the Twins or someone maybe making a run at that second wild card. I don't really see it. Uh, so both of them just kind of playing for next year. And given that scenario, uh, which of those two guys do you think is, if you had to pick one, who do you think is more likely out of Barrios and Snell to get a September call up? I think that's an interesting question. I'm going to say Barrios, but as we talked about last week, uh, you know, if they were going to call him up, why didn't they do it two months ago when they still had a chance to make a run at a postseason berth? I mean, still technically in it mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and after his performance last night, I think he is in good position uh, to get the call. I mean, seven innings, seven shutout, three hits, I think, 12 Ks. So great outing for Barrios. Snell, uh, I think he's ready too, but I just don't know. Uh, I think the, the Rays probably be a bit more – 
you know, not be as aggressive probably and probably just leave him down uh, and maybe look at him as an option for the start of next season. So I'm going to agree with you, but I just, I just want to say if the twins call up Barrios to join that rotation in mm. September, then they're just, that's like the ultimate like source of frustration at that point, yeah. because then it's like, Oh, so you didn't mind calling him up. Like, yeah, and you didn't mind so calling you, up Buxton and Snow. Yeah, like, if, right. if you don't call him up at all, then at least I can say that, well, they were they were never going to call him up, so, you know, there's nothing he could do. But, like, yeah. if you call him up now, it's like, well, he's been probably the best option in your rotation for the past, like, six he's weeks. He's your ace. Like, like he'd be the best starter on the team. Like, so now, oh, now it's okay to have yeah. him be pitching in the big leagues? Like, that's just such a wasted opportunity. Such a if flawed you, mentality. Like, too little, too late. Like in the you know the strongest sense. And how um, frustrating for your fan base. I mean, it's cool that they right. brought up Buxton and Snow, but uh, I mean, what's the point of not going all in with those prospects, yeah. especially with I mean, him an arm? And it's almost like that. to me that's almost like sort of. You can't tell me that he's any more. I mean, he maybe he's more ready today than he was you know a month ago. But is he so much more ready? Like. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. And with Snell, Snell's definitely ready. The The Tampa Bay Rays have always been one of the teams to be kind of slower. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, both of these teams have been. But, I mean, the Rays are always kind of slow with their pitching prospects. Uh, but I, I think if you're looking at a guy to kind of join the ranks in September uh, in that rotation, it's it's Matt Moore for me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Snell, Snell's a guy that is going to get, I think, probably drafted in a lot of mixed leagues next year uh even though he may not have a rotation spot out of camp i mean much much the way that a guy like you know noah Syndergaard was uh this season i think you'll see snell and and barrios if he doesn't uh break camp in the rotation but he really should um i definitely think uh, those two guys are both going to be uh, pretty trendy late late round picks next year I would agree, man, for sure. And we're going to move on to the final segment of the show, grading out our latest rap group. And we, we chose a good one for this abbreviated episode right. because I don't have anything good to say about this group really at all. Uh, but I also <laughs> want to thank you for creating a list of, of some future groups to grade. I mean, looking at this, I mean, State Prop, Timbaland and Magoo. I mean, these are just a few names. J5, <laughs> just The Firm, names. The Dog Pound. I'm glad you included those. The Ghetto Boys. We still got a lot to get to. Minor league yeah. season winding down, but yeah. I think we're going to continue this sure. at least through the fall league and, and hopefully yeah. year round. No, and that was just kind of off the top of my head. I mean, there's probably <laughs> yeah. a good twenty groups or so that that we're missing in there. Um, yeah, so I mean, we wanted to kind of do. Well, I mean, we've gone with some real heavy hitters lately. Uh, we went Wu Tang, NWA, Eric B, Rakim. Probably, you know, oversaturated the market on on high numbers. So, yeah. uh, best way probably to bring that back down is with D twelve. Got to bring them da- back down to earth for sure. And uh, here are the five tools we have established for grading out hip hop groups uh, on the twenty to eighty scale. We got lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. Then we're gonna give out an overall grade. For me, lyricism is an easy twenty. This is <laughs> one of the worst. Uh, Rap group. I mean, I had one of their albums. I think like Devil's Night, maybe uh, <clears throat> the one with the the Matchbox on it. But uh, you know, uh, there were some some radio bangers. I mean, pur- couple, Purple Pills. They, but aside from that, no lyrics ever stand out. No, um, I don't know why I put a thirty down. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> let's let's get real here. Um, okay, so we'll okay we have um, I will okay we disagree on lyricism and flow. I f- I feel like their flow is below their lyrics because it's so um, just kind of offensive. Um, yeah, for sure. That, like, that, like that bizarre, like whatever bizarre is saying, whatever Eminem's saying. I mean, these are just. Uh, I mean, it's offensive to my ears, really, and I kind of like blame, shock rap, right? I kind of blame that on the flow, uh, maybe more than I blame it on the mm. lyrics. Although the lyrics are, are god awful, I probably should have put at least a twenty-five on that. But uh, I, <laughs> I felt. It's I mean, it's it's sort of like uh, I, how many twenties and twenty-fives can you give a group um, <laughs> that released uh, music um, multiple times? Um, yeah. I guess I, I I was trying to be sort of nice and throw a, throw a thirty or two in there, but uh, for flow, what'd you what'd you go through flow? I will say it's pretty amazing that they had multiple studio releases. <laughs> multiple studio releases. Imagine. I mean, that's that's what you can do yeah. when you have a guy like Eminem. I mean, I'm sure they probably both went platinum too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Because Eminem was just because it's like if you're a diehard Eminem fan, you're buying the D12 albums when they yeah. come out. I mean, that's like that's fr- that's that's like uh, bonus Eminem. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I see, I have a 35 on flow just because, again, I felt like there were some headbangers, some some tracks that I could get into when I was younger. Uh, even though when, it, when Purple Pills came out, it was, you know, it was Purple Hills mm-hmm. on the, sure. the video. I mean, and then when I found out it was, I got the unedited version. Few words, of, few words are more <laughs> explicit than pills. <laughs> <laughs> when I got the album and heard Purple Pills and just how like explicit derogatory. Yeah. Are the we gonna real have to come back was. in and, and bleep out pills on this pod? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Purple Hills. No, yeah. It's, I well, they're get that. the. They were gifted like. You know, a half dozen Dre beats probably on that album. Oh too, yeah, that's a know? good point. Um, and that's why I guess uh, because you can at least flow over good beats, and that's why I guess sure. uh, the flow probably wasn't as good as as it sounded. But uh, yeah, the, the the lyrics, I mean, terrible, but also yeah, it's so derogatory and just weird and yeah, uh, creepy yeah. and you know, violent. So like I mean, uh, very just um, yeah. I mean, not not the type of thing that you want uh anyone i mean like i don't really mind if my kids want to listen to to go back and like listen to like wu-tang or something like that but i'd like put a i'd draw the line at d12 if they wanted to go like pick up a pick up <laughs> yeah, a copy too. of devil's night i'd be like a i mean <laughs> this is just terrible and b, making like, a bad b, it's, choice. it's gonna it's gonna teach you uh you know bad moral values so yeah, disappointed in your choice son. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> you let, uh, let me down uh i gave it 25 for flow like i said uh very <laughs> offensive um just the way just the fact that some of those guys decided to be rappers uh, offends me um so <laughs> bizarre in particular. longevity i got a 20 even though you know, as we said multiple studio releases <laughs> i guess technically i should have to give them like a 25 but right i mean I gave Devils, Devils, whatever. What was Devil's it called? Night. Devil's Night. Yeah. A couple spins, and then it was. Uh, the other, it was on the shelf. The for other long. album, uh, creatively named D Twelve World. Ooh, um, sick! So, so, <laughs> you know, step into my world. It's D Twelve World. Oh um, God. I gave them a thirty for longevity because, like you said, the two studio releases. I mean, there's. There's groups on this on that list I sent you that that only made it to one studio release, so I feel like I got to give them twenties. Um, 
obviously the i mean i don't think any of this music would would, would stand stand the test of time whether we're talking like three years after the record or or even just mm-hmm. current time i mean i don't think anyone's uh, bumping any of that uh, these days. Uh, what about Good thing, the, uh, the one grade that we both uh, were in, were in staunch agreement on was impact? What you what you put down for impact? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about easiest grades that we've given out. Twenty impact for D twelve, uh, and I'm not even going to say harsh. It's just fair. No, very, just very fair. fair. Very uh, fair. I, I don't think anybody in the industry respected no, these no, guys, no. and I don't think anybody was. No. Uh, influence yeah they, there isn't you can't uh trace the influences of d12 to today's lyricists or i mean you <laughs> might be able to trace like d12 into some you know jail cells or some 7-eleven midnight shifts <laughs> and stuff like that but uh i don't think you're i don't think you're gonna see them really impacting the musical scene yeah i mean Devil's Night may be getting a spin in a Seven Eleven in Detroit, right? But I don't think it's in any other record. Like if you stop, if you stop to get gas at like two thirty a.m. at a gas station, it, you know, in and around Detroit, and asked the the person behind the counter uh, what their favorite D twelve song was, I mean, they could probably go on for days and, and tell you about how it influenced them and in, in middle school and and stuff. But I don't, I don't think you're gonna be. Uh, getting that kind of an answer from from too many successful people in the world. <laughs> I don't think you're going to enjoy <laughs> that conversation uh, whatsoever. So I advise against having that conversation. Swag. Now, now I'm pissed that I gave a thirty for swag. You did give it a thirty. I guess I just Eminem's got some swag. I guess and not anymore. Not anymore. That's Maybe true. back then. Maybe back then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't really have much to I'd say give, here. I'd give Eminem's current swag a twenty. <laughs> yeah that's probably true i mean uh, yeah i guess at the time i thought you know some of the members looked kind of cool but now looking back i mean uh, i think the case can be made you got a 25 i think you could make a case for a 20 overall swag for the group yeah i'd put a 25 on it uh i mean uh, yeah i i think you know at the time like when say when devil's night was released i don't think you could have looked at this group's swag and been like oh, that's noticeably worse swag than, like, you know, whatever, like Terror Squad swag or mm-hmm. whoever else was, you know, True. putting out stuff. I mean, you could maybe even compare them. Uh, you know, I put down, like, St. Lunatics as a potential group for us to grade out. If you were to compare in the moment D12 swag versus St. Lunatic swag, you might give the edge to D12. I don't know. Um, but uh, wait, Well, uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it's subjective. I mean that's that's a good debate. We could we could talk yeah. about the St. Lunatics versus D12 swag for for a half hour if we wanted yeah. to, but Maybe probably we'll just <laughs> probably just uh, no, we'll spare her probably just things. best to wrap this up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got I mean, 25 uh, overall. overall 25 for me. Yeah, is, so is that's that, that's lower than what we gave Terror Squad. Say that that's matching your lowest score oh, yeah. given to Terror Squad. Okay. That is my lowest score. I gave Terror Squad yeah. a 30 okay. overall, and I think that's right because yeah. I'd rather listen to Terror Squad today yes. than I would D12. Yes. Well, I mean, we got a lot on this gr- this list here. We got you threw twenty six rap groups off the top of your head into this list. So I'm happy to see that. But if you have one uh, you'd like us to to tackle in the next episode, hit us up on Twitter. James is at Real Jr. Anderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. 
He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.